Good afternoon and welcome to the Friday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get an update on what's happening next month for the World Percheron Congress coming up in Brandon. In today's Prairie Eggwire, Dean Diaz with Cereals Canada will stop by to talk about the group's annual report. And up first in today's country comment, we'll get an update from Vikram Bish on Manitoba's potato crop. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us now is Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture to give us an update on the province's potato crop. The potato crops are looking good. The ones that have uh, already emerged. Uh, on the 18th, we had the last uh, field planted. And so the planting this time went from uh, May 11th to, you can say, June 18th. Normally, by uh, the first week of June, almost 100% is planted. So we are, uh, you can say, uh, 10 days behind in some fields, but uh, most people got it in their normal time. Uh, So the... Fields, as you know, are uh, quite wet. We have had frequent rains. So this may, in my opinion, pose some risk for uh, seed rot, especially in areas which have uh, uh, became, you know, regularly been uh, wetted or drowned out or standing water. But uh, the fields which are well-drained, uh, they have very good stand. The plants are about... Uh, 12 inches to 14 inches in some places. And so uh, the growers are now, uh, a lot of them finished their healing. They have uh, started uh, weed uh, control sprays as well. Uh, but uh, frequent interruptions uh, due to rain are hampering the weed sprays. Uh, so at the moment, what is stunning is uh, coming up uh, very nicely. Talk a little bit about um, Colorado potato beetle. You know, what's uh, what you're seeing there? Uh, we had a few instances of uh, Colorado potato beetles showing up, uh, but it is mostly in the southern part of uh, the production, potato production area. And, uh, you know, the, these beetles... Uh, are probably uh, from the last uh, previous uh, year, and uh, they have started laying eggs, and so the growers need to monitor uh, if uh, they can time their insecticide application, uh, if they see that uh, the seed treatment for the beetles is not working. In Winkler area, we have a fair amount of uh, resistance to the insecticides, and so there has to be a change or uh, rotation of the chemistries in that area. Talk about uh, the risk of late blight this year. Uh, the late blight risk uh, at the moment is moderate. We are uh, getting so many rain events that uh, the humidity stays high. So under these conditions, uh, if the fungus spores were present, it would have uh, led to uh, late blight. 
At the moment, we do not have report of late blight anywhere in the province or in the vicinity. We are also monitoring for the late blight spores, and uh, in our first week, we haven't uh, seen any uh, positives. So, at the moment, a uh, lot of fields, uh, you can say about 25% of the fields are still emerging, or the plants are very small. So, the risk may be low, but uh, certainly moderate risk at the moment, based on our uh, weathering, weather uh, data modeling for the late blight. That was Vikram Bisht with Manitoba Agriculture updating us on the province's potato crop. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Minister of Agriculture and Agri-Food Marie-Claude Bebo has announced that the interest-free portion of the advanced payments program will increase from $100,000 up to $250,000 for the 2022 and 2023 program years. As a result, participating producers will save on average $5,500 in interest costs over the next two years. The change will represent total savings of up to $61 million over two years for approximately 11,000 producers. The program is designed to help producers manage their working capital by providing cash advances of up to $1 million against the expected value of their commodities. Manitoba Agriculture says foliar insecticide applications for flea beetles continue in all regions. Up to four applications have been made in some canola fields and some reseeding of canola has occurred because of flea beetle injury. Cutworms are still being found, but there have been few reports of economic levels this year compared to the past few years. Some sunflower fields were sprayed for cutworms. High populations of juvenile grasshoppers are being noticed in some areas. Ligus bugs are being noticed on alfalfa for seed and forage, but economic populations have not been reported. High levels of pea leaf weevils have been noticed on faba beans in the northwest. The Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute was commissioned by the Coalition of Partners of the National Index on Agri-Food Performance Project to conduct an assessment of how an index can inform trade policy and the innovation ecosystem. In early 2022, Cappy heard perspectives from over 30 stakeholders. David McInnes is a coordinator on the project. We released an installment of of a phase that we just concluded where we detailed the many indicators and sub-indicators of how we might measure sustainability across the food sector. We proposed 20 indicators Things like greenhouse gas emissions to impact on water, biodiversity, social inclusion, and safe food. And now we're moving to how we can put this into practice. And a key announcement was made during Canada's farm show in Regina this week. Prairie Clean Energy announced plans to build the world's first ever flax processing facility in Regina. CEO Mark Cooper says they'll be buying flax straw and turning it into pellets. So we're actually uh, leasing an existing facility, which is part of the attraction of this particular site. It's got rail access, great highway access right here in the city. Uh, so it's close for our, for our existing team. And uh, that means that we can get up to speed faster in terms of production. So uh, the actual cost to, uh, to start production is uh, just over a million dollars. And uh, we'll be producing um, about 60,000 tons uh, of pellets per year from this facility. Those pellets will be sold worldwide as biofuel. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Friday, June 24th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the CEO of Cereals Canada. Cereals Canada released its 2021 annual report earlier this month. Here's CEO Dean Diaz. 
you know, it, it's a, it's been an eventful year last year. You know, there were some challenges when it came to drought and so on. Um, you know, supply chain challenges. And so the value chain had lots of challenges. However, we as Seawills Canada were able to meet some of our key objectives. And so Seawills Canada would have been in the second year as the newly merged. So we were able to pivot, you know, through COVID and stuff, we were able to pivot and offer customer programs and so on um, in a virtual world as well. So the, the annual report is structured around four key pillars. Uh, the first pillar being the market access and advocacy. It's the type of work we do under market access and advocacy is, you know, um, working with governments from around the world, making sure that we do not have uh, you know, technical challenges when it comes to sanitary, phytosanitary restrictions, um, making sure that they understand the Canadian supply chain system uh, and so on. So lots of work being done on the advocacy and market access part. The second one being, you know, technical support and, and market support uh, functions of Seagulls uh, Canada. That is something that we do using our technical facilities we have in, uh, in, in Winnipeg where we train customers from around the world on how to best use Canadian cereals in their end product. So you will notice that, you know, we've done a lot of different programs virtually. Uh, we did some new crop uh, seminars online as well and so on. Uh, so all of that is captured in the annual report as well. Then the other two is, uh, you know, once, once around building the Canadian demand. Um, so, so Canadian cereals are used around the world. Uh, but there's lots of other avenues to promote Canadian freedom. And we've been trying to find those other avenues. And one of them would be, you know, we talk a lot about the quality of the wheat, but uh, we've never really focused on the nutritional properties of wheat. So we've started a new program called uh, What About Wheat? Um, if I would recommend everybody to take a look at it uh, and learn more about the nutritional properties of wheat. Uh, and then the other piece is all the work that we're doing on the sustainability front. Um, and one of the key examples would be the work we've done on the winter wheat eco-label project. Um, and you can learn more about that uh, in, in the annual report as well. And the fourth aspect is market research and technical research. And that is something that we do uh, using the expertise we have here. We, we look for market information at all times, making sure that, you know, things that are changing in a different part of the world don't have impacts on Canadian wheat or have an impact on Canadian wheat. And we, you know, weigh the pros and cons, the opportunities and challenges, and then we make recommendations back to the value chain on what we should be doing. So that is on the market research side. Then we also do the technical research where we use our technical expertise in the milling, baking, uh, pasta, and analytical area. And we look at, you know, different ways of supporting uh, processing. So to give you an example, you know, a lot of stuff that is happening around the baking industry right now is to reformulate uh, baked goods um, to have less sodium. So, so salt has a functional property when it comes to baking. So how does that impact bakers if they have to reduce salt. So we've tested different varieties of Canadian wheat and we've reduced the salt levels in in um, in baked products 
and were able to actually make a pretty good product with Canadian wheat varieties because the quality of the gluten that we have in Canada is is uh, is is prime, right? So it's, it's like customers around the world want that, and it's it's a confidence building thing for us to know that you know the the varieties we have in Canada will meet these processing or regulatory push that the baking industry is seeing, right? So the, so the, so the annual report is is basically um, you know wrapped around in the four key pillars. Again, one of them is market access and advocacy. The second one is market support and market development. Third one is building the Canadian brand. And then the fourth one is market market research and technical research. Was there anything else to highlight uh, for you? or No, and I, I would just say that, you know, we've had, uh, uh, we are going to have a turnover of some of the board of directors. Um, because, you know, the, the way it works is we have uh, board of directors term out after two years in for certain tiers. Um, so we have uh, new board of directors joining us as well. Um, and that news release will go out soon. But I just want to thank the, the board of directors for their dedication, direction and support uh, for the last two years. And, you know, it, after the merger, we've achieved a lot um, and we are in a prime position to keep improving and becoming that, you know, number one promoter of Canadian cereals in Canada. That was Dean Diaz, CEO of Cereals Canada. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return next week on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Miami Agricultural Society is celebrating its 25th annual rodeo this weekend, along with the 113th annual fair. The Miami 4-H Beef Club will be hosting their inter-club judging competition this evening and an open 4-H beef show tomorrow. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Manitoba Crop Diagnostic School takes place July 5th through to the 8th in Carmen at the University of Manitoba ENR Morrison Research Farm. Sessions take place from 8.30 until 3 daily, cost $175. Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is hosting a workshop entitled Health Check for Your Pasture and Soil, July 6th. The cost is $30 and you can register on the MFGA website. And the Suras River Watershed District is holding its annual banquet July 7th at the Hartney Community Hall. Tickets are $50. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Friday afternoon, the World Percheron Congress is coming to the Keystone Centre in Brandon July 18th to the 23rd. Ivan Strain is part of the organizing committee. Everything is coming along as well as can be expected. The, uh, the fact that we had COVID for a couple of years has really put a monkey wrench into it. Most of our American friends will not be coming over the border as they're not vaccinated. So uh, it cut our numbers down. We had anticipated 500 Percheron horses from across Canada and the USA, Corey. However, we do have over 250, and we have... Entries in 120-some classes, so uh, we have a lot of stuff ahead. Just talk about the uh, just the effort to, to get the show up and running, uh, you know, coming up in, in July. Okay, the effort, it all started back in 2016. June the 5th was the first meeting. A few people got their heads together and said, should we do this? And they said, let's take a go. From there, it just sort of blossomed. A small, very small, but very energetic group of Manitoba perch run breeders, 
probably 20, 25 people in total, decided let's go for it, approach the Canadian Perchman Association to ask if they would okay it. Got a yes there. Then we went to the American Perchons, and uh, they said it sounds okay. And in 2018, we were given the go-ahead. Now, in between times, we had to contact Keystone Center in Brandon, make arrangements to have the facility available, and, and all these little things that go on that you think, oh, no, horse show, they just come and show their horses. Not so. Uh, then COVID set in. We did have fantastic sponsorship uh, response before COVID, even during COVID, and we ended up having sponsors for each and every class that we've got for the show. What's the excitement level? You know, events are, are happening again this summer. You know, what's it going to be like to to get back in, in the Keystone Center? Uh, there's no problems as we speak right now in the Keystone Center. Everything is wide open, and uh, the fact that the, the, it's a facility that's second to none in the province of Manitoba, uh, maybe the same going into Saskatchewan and Alberta, it's a wondrous thing, and when the people put their heads together on that, mostly from southwestern Manitoba, they set it on this building, people sort of scoffed at it. It's been used for everything. Uh, I remember going to see Kenny Rogers there many years ago. It's been used for the Arabian Horse Shows. It's been used for the Perchman Shows, the Clydesdales, the Belgians, all light horses in between, and just about anything else that you can think of. A wondrous facility. How do people get tickets for the event? Well, the easiest way is just to go on to our website, which is worldpertroncongress2022.ca. Follow through. Tickets are available there. And uh, that's the easiest way to do it. But I have another little one for you. We decided at our last meeting, the people that made this country so great are the people that are 65 and over. And on Thursday, that's the Thursday night of our show, and the show goes 18 to the 23rd of July. But that Thursday night, all day, if you walk up, flash your identification, you're 65 and over, it's free admittance. If you're under that, it's $15. Ivan, anything else that you wanted to highlight here? Uh, the real big thing is we invite each and everyone to come and see some of the finest horses, perch run horses, that you'll find across Canada and the U.S. of A., and uh, again, the Keystone Center, rain or shine, it goes on. But there are two events that don't happen there. There'll be along number one highway just uh, north of Brandon, and that will be the sulky plow and the walking plow, and something a lot of people have never seen being done. And uh, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. But everything else, we'll have line classes showing from foals right through aged mares, stallions, geldings, and then the hitch classes, Corey. Hitch classes start with a single, that's a cart. Then we go to team classes, the unicorn, which is three, the four horse, the six horse, and the eight horse hitch. All virtual horses, all in the Keystone Center, and all July 18 to the 23rd. Again, World Virtual Congress 2022.ca. Hope to see you there. That was Ivan Strain. He's one of the organizers helping out with the World Percheron Congress coming to the Keystone Center in Brandon, July 18th to the 23rd. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment.
Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Manitoba Association of Watersheds has officially launched the first phase of the Prairie Watersheds Climate Program, an up to $40 million project in Manitoba and Saskatchewan that focuses on beneficial management practices uptake and awareness and is funded by Agriculture and Agri-Food Canada's On-Farm Climate Action Fund. The BMPs eligible under the PWCP focus on three categories, rotational grazing, nitrogen management, and cover cropping. Programming will be delivered by Manitoba Watershed Districts and the Saskatchewan Association of Watersheds. Manitoba Association of Watersheds is the lead organization managing the PWCP, which will run until March 31st of 2024. Manitoba Agriculture says there is extreme variability across the province in terms of crop and weed staging. Early seeded cereals have received their herbicide application, as have some early canola fields. Corn and soybeans are growing well and loving these hot days. First herbicide applications are being done. Weeds to watch are kochia, lamb's quarters, roundleaf, mallow, buckwheat, and redroot pigweed. Barnyard grass and foxtails are really taking off with the recent heat. Weeds that we don't normally see, like Canada fleabane, biennial wormwood, Prostrate knotweed, marsh yellow cress, and purslane speedwell are showing up in fields across the province. Perennial weeds like Canada thistle, dandelion, and quackgrass took advantage of ample moisture last fall and this spring and have grown extremely well. Prairie Clean Energy signed its first producer, producer contract to buy flax straw, which will be processed into pellets at its plant in Saskatchewan. CEO Mark Cooper announced plans on Tuesday to build the world's first ever flax processing facility in Regina during Canada's farm show. Those pellets will be sold worldwide as a biofuel for power plants. We have agreements to move flax pellets to Japan with our partner company Renova and also to move flax pellets to Europe for a variety of companies that are now trying to make up for the significant deficit created by the war in Ukraine in terms of the biomass fuel. Cooper says they plan to open the plant in September and expect to produce about 60,000 tonnes of pellets per year from the facility. And the Canadian Agri-Food Policy Institute was commissioned by the Coalition of Partners of the National Index on Agri-Food Performance Project to conduct an assessment of how an index can inform trade policy and the innovation ecosystem. In early 2022, CAPI heard perspectives from over 30 stakeholders. David McInnes is a coordinator on the project. We're now uh, trying to expand this coalition. We don't have everyone involved, uh, that would be for sure. We're trying to build a greater momentum. We're going to create a pilot to test this out in a modest, uh, focused way, uh, improve it, test it, uh, make some changes, and then hopefully make this a permanent feature so this can be used by the sector, by regulators, by financial institutions, and consumers to see just how sustainable Canada's uh, leading food system is. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on Monday's show, we'll get an update on the Canadian Food Grains Bank row projects. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here on Monday starting at 12 noon.